Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, and I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, one of the evangelists. The last time we saw Jesus in our previous episode, he was in the synagogue of Capernaum and had given that powerful, powerful message on being the bread of life, which many of his followers said was a hard saying, and they chose not to follow him anymore. But as reports of the Lord's ministry and excitement he was generating in Galilee reached the ears of the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem, they sent some of their number, scholars, to Galilee to attempt to discredit Jesus. We find this occurring in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, and John chapter 7 and verse 1. We're going to focus our attention primarily on Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Jacob? The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered to him after they came from Jerusalem and saw that some of his disciples were eating their bread with, a, with unholy hands, that is, unwashed. But the Pharisees and all of the other Jews did not eat unless they carefully washed their hands, thereby holding firmly to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the market, from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they completely cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received as traditions to firmly hold, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and copper pots. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk in accordance with the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with unholy hands? But he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah, the, Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And the one who speaks evil of father or mother is certainly to be put to death. But you say, if a person says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is given to God, you no longer allow him to do anything for his father or his mother, thereby invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the person which can defile him, if it goes into him, but the things which come out of a person are what defile the person. And when he later entered a house, away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding as well? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the person from outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated? And he was saying, that which comes out of a person, that is what defiles the person. For from within, out of the hearts of people, come the evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, 
thefts, murders, acts of adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the person. Okay, as the various Pharisees and scribes, these scholars had been sent from Jerusalem, they were there to ensnare Jesus in his words. And in an attempt to discredit Jesus and his ministry. And they seized upon the fact that they had seen some of the disciples of Jesus eating without washing their hands. That was contrary to the traditions of the elders. Which brings to mind two questions when you think about it. Why did the disciples eat without washing their hands? And two, what were the traditions of the elders? You know, it's interesting. Uh, in the New King James, it says that the Pharisees, when they saw them not wa- not having washed their hands, it says they and they found fault. This must have been so frustrating for Jesus because by the time the section comes to a close, he he exposes what actual defilement looks like in contrast to the perceived defilement that the Pharisees were identifying. None of us are surprised that the Pharisees found fault because they were expert at finding faults. But in this case, the problem is that they are citing the wrong source uh, of authority here. Uh, they, They even admit that their complaint is rooted in the tradition of the uh, of their fathers and of the teacher, the scribes, and uh, and not in the word of God or the law of Moses itself. Let's talk a little bit more about that tradition of the elders, because belief in the tradition of the elders was a fundamental peculiarity of the Pharisaical or Pharisaic system. They held that these traditions or moral expositions of and additions to the law. They said they were revealed to Moses along with the law and were communicated by him orally to the elders of the people, by whose successors they had been handed down through equal successive generations. They regarded these traditions as equal in authority with the written word. Various uncleannesses were specified in the Mosaic law. Traditions extended the idea of uncleanness so as to hold that the man was probably unclean who had been in the marketplace where he might have touched an unclean person and to hold certain cups, pots, and brazen vessels as ceremonially unclean when neither the law of Moses nor the law of hygiene declared them to be so. Since the law of Moses ordered the unclean to dip himself in a bath for his cleansing, The traditions of the elders required a dipping in those cases of uncleanness for which they had invented these particular rules and regulations. When we remember that bathing was a daily practice among the Pharisees, I think we're less surprised at this observance. As to the theory that the the tradition of the elders was derived from Moses, Jesus here flatly contradicts it. There is no trustworthy evidence to show that the traditions of the elders had any higher antiquity than the time of the return from the Babylonian captivity. I find verse 8 and 9 in particular just to be so powerful. 
of him talking about how they Jesus talking about how they neglected the commandments of God, holding on to the tradition of men. He calls them experts in verse nine, setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep uh, their tradition. It's certainly important, I think, an application for us to make sure that we know what's tradition and what's God's commandments. Uh, what what and you know, whether it's in our worship, is it what's tradition and what's um, commanded by God to be done and things like that, and making sure that we. Uh, if we have tradition, that it's not invalidating or discrediting anything God's word says. Um, and if it if it does, we need to make sure that we fix it. I think even in, in Matthew's account, we see how Jesus, um, another piece of how Jesus feels towards them, um, calling the Pharisees in Matthew 15, verse 14, um, blind guides. And he's telling his disciples to leave them alone. They are blind guides of blind people. And a person who is blind guides another who is blind, both will fall into the pit. Um, so also watching out for uh, those pressing these traditions on, on the people as well. You know, uh, Numbers chapter 19 does give laws of purification for actual uncleanness, wherein someone perhaps may touch uh, a dead body or someone with leprosy and it does prescribe a method of cleansing in those cases and and does say whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening and so i'm sure that they extrapolated this and used this as a foundation but then you see how easily law can take on a life of its own when we begin to continue to build and add to uh, what was commanded. Uh, they're not even following the prescribed method of, of cleansing. I mean, uh, Moses talked about ashes, uh, ashes of the heifer, uh, and uh, various other kinds of methods that needed to be done, but they're just uh, they're just kind of making this up as they go along and, and extending it to the marketplace and someone may have touched something it's just it, it's a semblance but it's not it's not what Moses said I, I think it's pretty um, it's it's worth noting that in and of itself them giving to God it isn't a bad action um, is but the problem is that it was invalidating what God had told them to do. And so there can be a good thing like giving to God, but if it goes against or neglects um, also what God says, then that, that's, that's a problem. Jesus, I think, absolutely laid bare the hypocrisy of the Pharisees with what he had to say. I think it's important that we note that he did not deny that his disciples violated the tradition of the elders, but justified their actions by laying bare the whole pharisaical traditional system. Jesus quoted from Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, and he applied it to the Pharisees. They were hypocrites. They criticized the Lord and his disciples for disobeying the tradition of the elders while they were disobeying the law of God because of their and through their devotion to their traditions. Yes, they took great pains concerning ceremonial defilement to themselves and even even their kitchen utensils. Yes, vocally they honored God, but inside they were corrupt and dishonored him. 
They were fully ready to leave the law of God and obey their traditions, not recognizing that in doing so, they were serving God the way they wanted to serve him and not in the way he wanted to be served. By clinging to their traditions, they were rendering their worship vain, useless, empty, and Jesus illustrated this truth in the following way. The law clearly demanded respect and support for one's parents. I think of Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. But by their tradition, the Pharisees had come up with a way of circumventing the law. According to their tradition, an individual could declare a possession corbin or given to God. Thus, a Jew could declare part of his estate by which his parents would be profited a gift to God and be freed from his obligation toward, uh, toward his parents. Thus, their tradition made void the law. Actually, their whole attitude toward God was out of balance. They were more than willing to sacrifice the spiritual content for the ceremonial traditions. You know, it's really easy to criticize and condemn them for their traditions. Uh, but we need to obviously take a look at ourselves also because we, too, are creatures of habit. We like things to be the way they have been. And, uh, you know, if you don't think it's the case that we also become tied to tradition, just uh, propose changing something that wouldn't matter and see how that see how that goes. All of a sudden, you'll hear people say, "Well, we don't just need to change things for change's sake," uh, you know, and then the and then the argument begins. Uh, and to me, illustrating the the ability to do uh, certain things different ways proves that. Uh, uh, well, it just shows how tied that we can be to to tradition, and you'll 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 learn that when you start to hear or see the resistance. I know in one church one time uh, the idea of uh, closing their assembly with a song uh, rather than a closing prayer was met with such opposition that uh, one man, uh, even though they sang a song and were dismissed, just like the disciples in the new t- in the in the gospels. Uh, this man just out of the blue started saying a prayer because he was not going to be dismissed without his closing prayer. It just shows, you know, we are we are subject to this as well. Jesus, in this particular event, utilized the opportunity to instruct the multitude of people who were present. He laid down the basic principle that real defilement is moral, not ceremonial. And that which enters the mouth is not what defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth from the heart of the man, that is what defiles the man. The disciples, Jesus' disciples, were upset because Jesus' whole speech had offended the Pharisees. He had shown their hypocrisy. He had shown that their traditions, which they held in such reverence, actually, in certain instances, caused them to sin. He demonstrated that their traditional ceremonial cleanliness was worthless compared to the moral cleanliness that the law of God demanded and that they chose at times to ignore by their traditions. But these were the Pharisees. 
strict adherence to the law, and respected teachers of it. His disciples were concerned by Jesus' response to them. In essence, the Lord told his disciples, don't worry about the Pharisees. God was responsible for the law as given by Moses. He had planted it. God had not, however, planted the traditions of the elders. Therefore, those traditions were doomed to be rooted up. When Jesus said, let them alone, he was not saying let them alone in the sense of allowing their false teaching to go unanswered or allowing their hypocrisy to continue unexposed. He was telling his followers to let them alone in the sense of bowing down to their false teaching and worrying whether or not Jesus' teaching pleased or displeased them. When the blind lead the blind, both are responsible. The Pharisees were leaders who refused to accept the truth of Jesus in spite of all the evidence. They were blind leaders, and blind followers possess the same faults and will suffer the same fate. I think we should make the point that, yes, these Pharisees were essentially enemies of Jesus, but not all of them. The Bible does reveal in the Gospel accounts that there were certain Pharisees who seemed to be men of great honor and were willing to give Jesus at least a chance uh, uh, to listen to what he had to say and draw a, a right conclusion based on what he said and based also upon uh, the works that he did. Um. One thing at the end here of this section is the disciples don't seem to understand where Jesus is going with this. Are you thus without understanding also? And Greg, you said something earlier that made good sense, and that is Jesus did not deny that he realized they were transgressing a tradition here. And I, I just envision Jesus coaching his disciples because they would have understood well what was expected of them. Jesus coaching them, you know what, we're going to eat, but we're not going to wash our hands. And they're, they're probably, I mean, they're probably feeling like guinea pigs uh, being used to start a confrontation here. But Jesus is intentionally doing this in order to make a point. And I love that he doesn't have this go-along-to-get-along attitude, but is willing to stand up and buck that tradition for the sake of the truth of the gospel. You know, the words of Jesus were apparently so perplexing to the disciples that Peter referred to them as a parable, which means in this particular instance an obscure saying. And he asked for an explanation. It's really, when you think about it, kind of understandable that the multitude, so long swayed by the teaching of the Pharisees, would be slow to grasp the significance of what Jesus was saying. But his disciples, who had been with him and had felt free enough to eat with unwashed hands, should have been quicker to understand. At this point in their progression, they were not. So Jesus explained a little further. He set forth the simple doctrine that a man's moral and spiritual state is not dependent upon the symbolic cleanness of his physical diet, much less is it dependent upon ceremonial observances in regard to things eaten or the dishes from which they were eaten. It's important to note, Jesus did not mean at this time to abrogate the Mosaic law of legal uncleanness. 
These uncleannesses worked no spiritual defilement, but were merely typical of such. For the food in no way touched or affected the mind or soul, the fountains of spiritual life, but only the corporal organs, which have no moral susceptibility. The Pharisees had erred in confusing legal and spiritual defilement, and had added error to error by multiplying the causes of defilement in their traditions. By thus showing that legal defilement was merely symbolic, Jesus classed it with all the other symbolism that was to be done away with when the gospel reality was fully ushered in. I think about Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Well, that's going to have to do it for this particular program. We appreciate each and every one of you who has listened. We're receiving a lot of good responses from the podcast, and we appreciate that so very much. If you'd like to get in touch with us, just go to the website, www.nkcofc.com, and let us know what's on your mind. Until then, thanks for listening.